I glimpsed a small copse of trees. The parlor was simply arranged with functional rather than decorative furniture. About half a dozen people were already seated there, and our host directed us to a settee located toward the back of the room. Stephen Park, a friend of my brother's and an aspiring writer, stood and smiled as we approached. He was a taller-than-average man in his late twenties, blessed with a head of curly brown hair, a fair complexion, and cheerful hazel eyes that twinkled as he assisted me into a seat beside him on the sofa. "'I'm charmed to meet you again, Miss Wilson,' he said. He shook Samuel's hand, then sank back into his own seat. "'It is very good to see you, Mr. Park,' I replied, pleased we had been placed next to such an agreeable companion. "'It promises to be an interesting evening.' "'That's what I'm hoping.' since I was unable to attend Wilde's lecture at Platt's Hall yesterday, he said. Opinions about Wilde differ considerably. Samuel lowered his voice. Judging by the man's photograph in today's papers, he certainly is a distinctive-looking fellow. Not many men have the nerve to appear in public wearing turbans and knee breeches, said Park with amusement. My brother chuckled. It makes good fodder for the newspapers. By the way, have you read his book of poems? Not yet, Park answered, but I hope to purchase one tonight. I assume he'll bring copies. This time Samuel laughed aloud. Have you ever known an author who didn't drag around a trunk crammed full of his scribblings? He had the good grace to look sheepish. Not to say that I wouldn't behave the same if my own book were to be published. Not if, Samuel, but when it is published, Park corrected. And your book as well, Stephen, said Samuel. You're correct. We must remain optimistic. Yes, but your manuscript is nearly finished, Park pointed out with a wry smile, whereas mine is still in a very rough state. Stephen Park referred to the political treatise he was writing that dealt with San Francisco's frequently corrupt city administrations. The necessity to eat regular meals and keep a roof over his head, however, obliged him to sell articles to Remy's San Francisco Weekly, as well as to any other publications willing to accept his work. Park lived farther down Telegraph Hill, as did a small colony of writers struggling to make their names in the literary world. Even as I was pondering this, another member of that community was making his way over to speak to us. I had met Emmett Gardner on several previous occasions, when I had accompanied Samuel to various literary functions. He was a tall, blond-haired man of thirty, with a strong, handsome face, steady brown eyes, and a genial personality. Emmett contributed regular stories and poems to The Californian, a literary periodical that had evolved out of the old Overland Monthly. I seemed to remember my brother telling me that Emmett, too, was writing a novel, although I could not for the life of me recall the subject matter. Samuel? Stephen? said Gardner, shaking their hands with his usual good cheer. And Miss Wilson, it is always a pleasure to see you. Did any of you attend Wilde's lecture at Platt's Hall last night? When we indicated that we had not, he went on, Neither did I. Which was why I was delighted when Uncle Mortimer arranged tonight's reading. I keep forgetting that Remy is your uncle, Samuel said. You don't sound anything like him. That's because he hails from Louisiana while my mother, his eldest sister, moved with her family to San Francisco when I was just five. She still lives here in the city. That explains it, then, Stephen commented. By the way, how is your book progressing? As the three would-be authors discussed their various projects, 
Tull O'Hara, who also lived on Telegraph Hill, entered the parlor. A short man in his fifties, he had a long, crooked nose, critical gray eyes, and a perpetually dour expression on his weathered face. O'Hara worked for Mortimer Remy's newspaper, and although he was touted as one of the best typesetters in the city, he was even better known for his disagreeable personality. He certainly lived up to his reputation tonight, giving his employer the barest nod and studiously ignoring the rest of us as he took a seat behind our own. Who is that sitting next to Tull O'Hara? I asked Samuel, nodding toward the large, ruddy-cheeked man frowning at the typesetter. Claude Dunn, my brother whispered, yet another hopeful author. He spends his days writing while his wife Lucy, the pregnant girl sitting next to him, cooks and cleans for anyone on the hill who will pay her. Discreetly, I examined the young woman seated beside her husband.